It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. The Blue Jackets playing in Arizona last night against the Coyotes. Tonight, they are in Vegas getting ready for a game tomorrow against the Golden Knights. Before we get going here today, I want to tell you that CBJ and 30 is presented by Telhio Credit Union. That's the second time I've told you that already, right? Yes, it is. But let's talk about the people at Telhio Credit Union and how they take care of of their customers. They've been doing that for a long, long time. Telhio Credit Union has really just become a fabric of the community. When you're looking for a place to put your money, if you're looking for a place where you might get more benefits than you do somewhere else, Telhio Credit Union is a place that you need to check out. Just go to their website at telhio.org. You'll be able to search around and see all the things they have, whether it's something as simple as a checking account, which by the way, they have different levels of. There are different perks in the checking accounts that they offer. Maybe it is something for your small business, maybe a small business loan, maybe it's a debt consolidation loan, maybe it is a loan to get you ready for the upcoming holiday season. Whatever it is, check out Telhio Credit Union and see if they have something that fits you. Once again, their website is telhio.org. Just surf around, click on the tabs. If it's during business hours and you can't find something that you have a question about, there is a live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen. Telhio Credit Union is open to everyone in central and southwestern Ohio, and they are federally insured by NCUA. Here we are with the very first in the plane, from the plane, on the plane, whatever you want to call it, version of CBJ and 30. And with Aaron Johnson right now, you'll remember him as a Blue Jackets defenseman. Aaron Johnson is now working for the team. What is your actual title? I forget what the title is. It is Team Relations Specialist. Team Relations Specialist. That's a very uh, fancy title for saying this guy takes care of everything. He literally is taking care of everything. And on this trip, Aaron Johnson happens to be in charge right now as to what's going on on this trip with the uh, making sure the itinerary is, is taken care of, making sure the food's in the room for the players, all those things. And uh, I think you've done an admirable job here in these first three days. It, it's, it's been amazing. Has it felt amazing? Uh, I appreciate that. It, uh, you know, it's nerve-wracking. You never want to be the one that messes things up. Um, fortunately, Julie has done an amazing job in setting it all up, and I'm just here to make sure that everything's where it needs to be. So, so far, it's been good. Yeah, Julie Gamble, is the, uh, she's a travel coordinator. She didn't make the beginning of the trip. She's going to join us in Vegas, so that's why Aaron is in charge here. Were you nervous at all, like when you found out? I mean, a lot of responsibility, right? I wouldn't say I was nervous. I think I was excited for the opportunity. Just like um, a player. Exactly. you got to take advantage when uh, when those things come your way. But, no, uh, you know, things have been great so far. Uh, fortunately, we we uh, stayed at the hotel right beside the rink, so there was no bus needed. So that really took some pressure off me. But, you know, so far it's been good. I just want you to know that I've known for many, many years that you were cut out for a role like this. And I'll tell you, when I look back on it, I remember when you were a rookie in the American Hockey League, and at that time, it's before everybody had their own phone and their own iPad and all that stuff. And there was one VCR on the bus. And the rookies, as we're taking off right here, leaving uh, Arizona and headed to Vegas. So if you're wondering, 
<laughs> yeah, well, if you're wondering where all that noise is, we're taking off. I mean, this is legit. This is this is behind the scenes. You, you can't believe it. But anyway, back in Syracuse, there was one VCR. The rookie, there would be a rookie in charge of getting the movies. You were that guy, your rookie year in Syracuse. I remember Gary Agnew was the head coach, and he said it at the time, and I agree, best movie guy ever. That was you. So I knew you were cut out for a role like this. Well, I appreciate that. I guess I've... Uh... I've come a long way from picking movies in uh, in a bus, and now I'm uh, sitting on one of the, the nicest jets and working with an NHL team. So I'm, I'm very fortunate for those days back in Syracuse. We were talking about this, uh, about how we used to in the American Hockey League, you'd be on the road, and before the game you had to look at a menu, you had to pick what you wanted, you had to put your money in the cup, and then you hoped that your meal would show up on the bus after the game. Sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. Not like that on the plane, is it? No, this is great. I mean, especially here in Columbus, they take care of you. Um, when you come on the plane, there's food available, and then you sit down for 20 minutes, and then you're giving an order for more food, and then by the time you land, you've taken dessert. So it's dangerous when you're not a player. I'm learning that really quickly. I'm uh, trying to avoid uh, eating as much as possible because my workouts just seem to get longer and longer. Yeah. Well, good luck with that because... Then when you go to the press boxes, there's even more food, so you, you just can't get away from it. As Jody Shelley always says, it's the NHL Never Hungry League. Exactly. Opposite of the uh, AHL Always Hungry League. Exactly right. No doubt about it. I want to talk to you, though, about how you got to this point. I mean, you know, coming in as a player, you had two different stints with the Blue Jackets. Uh, you bounced around the league. You played with different teams. Uh, to me, if there's somebody that is brought in to specifically take care of the players, make sure that they're happy, make sure that uh, they want to be in Columbus because they're so well taken care of, you're a perfect guy for it because you've seen so many things as a player that I imagine that taught you how to treat the players for this job. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, going through the interview process, that was one of the things I think that helped me was, you know, I've had experience at the AHL level. I've had experience at the NHL level. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to actually live with Rick Nash when he won the Morris Richard, so it's... I, I, I wouldn't say I was in his shoes, but I was able to watch what it, the toll it takes on these players, these top-end players, day in and day out. And then, obviously, I've lived on the bubble where you're every day you're worried about being sent down or called up or healthy scratch. So, you know, I think I can uh, relate to a lot of the, the players and, and these situations. And, you know, my role now is just to make sure that they enjoy their time here, they're well taken care of, something the Blue Jackets have always done, but unfortunately just haven't had a person... That, that, that did that those little things so you know I've been you know, really fortunate to be a, to have this opportunity like I said the guys have been great I think they appreciate me being here and you know I can help them in any way it was it's the littlest things to BoQuest asking me to tie his tie to finding someone uh, a, a house to live so that it's all spectrums did you tie the tie or did you tell him to get a clip on be honest I tied the tie for the poor guy but now he can tie a tie so <laughs> just Tell me about that. How do you make the transition? How do you go from being a player and, and playing in all the leagues that you did for the number of years that you did and then come into this opportunity? I know you said you lived with Rick Nash, and I know you guys are friends, but, I mean, to to make that transition, it's not always easy to go from being a player and, and doing something else, especially when it's not, um, you know, it's not a player development thing. It's not a scouting thing. This is completely different. How did you... How did you get, I don't want to say get talked into it because you wanted to do it, but how did you go about winding up in this role? Well, uh, it's a good question because about a year ago I was 
defense coach in Allen with the Allen Americans in the East Coast Hockey League. A year before that, I was completing my MBA and writing a dissertation on players, uh, NHL players, hockey players, making the transition to, you know, we call it regular life or normal life where you're back into the corporate world and, you know, you have to, you have to find a normal job. So, you know, I think I prepared a little bit in that sense, but to be honest, this, this job just came about. The interview, um, Rick asked if I would come in and do an interview with Yarmo. Um, and then it kind of just went from there. To be honest, I, I I still laugh that I wake up and I'm in Columbus because my wife and I had just built our you know long-term house in Dallas. Um, that was the plan was to stay there. You know, I was trying to figure out, do I want to get into coaching? Do I want to get into scouting? I had an offer from USB to do and get into financial advisors. So, you know, it was kind of weird. And then once this interview came, and we saw the job description it just it just felt right um, you know it's everything i want to do i you obviously always want to be at this level the nhl level i really enjoy you know taking care of guys and doing going out of my way to make sure guys are taken care of i don't know if that's you know where i've grown up or um, my parents have instilled that in me but i just i naturally enjoy just doing that and, um, so you know when the job came up i talked to my wife she looked at the the, the job description she's like listen this is this is perfect for you. If you if you want to do this, we'll make the move. And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, there's, I've always wanted to come back to Columbus. It was an opportunity to, to start at the NHL level, which, you know, you just can't pass up. So, um, yeah, here we are. Long story short. I'll tell you, and again, and you're now on the most authentic podcast I've ever done. In all the year, like seven years I've been doing this podcast, this is most authentic right on the plane in between Arizona and Vegas. Aaron Johnson is my guest tonight. You had, or today, whatever. I'm doing this at night, but it'll be today by the time anybody hears it. Listen, you had two different stints with the Blue Jackets, intermixed in all the other stuff you did. Um, does that make it even more special? I mean, this is the third time around for you with this organization? Yes. Uh, Columbus has always been special to me. Uh, it, it's been a home to me, to be honest. When I was drafted here um, 20 years ago, now that I think about it, crazy, Um you know, I interviewed with one team in Florida. Usually you go to Florida, you meet with a lot of different teams, and there was one team on the list, and it was Columbus that I wanted to meet with. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to still be there in the third round, and they decided to take a chance on me. Uh, very fortunate to Doug McClain. Uh, a lot of that, you know, East Coast brass just really gave me a chance. And, and then Mr. McConnell, I mean, he was, I was really fortunate enough to be in, in Rick Nash's shadows and the way that he took care of Rick and the way he took care of his players is just outstanding and just such a role model to me when, when I was 20 years old. I mean, this is a guy that literally owned a hockey team but treated us like just regular part of the family people. So, you know, since that, it's just I've always just had something special in Columbus. I always knew I wanted to come back here. I told my wife during my career, you know, I wanted to come back here at some point. I didn't know what for or how, but I just always appreciated what the Columbus, you know, city, the fans, you know, to be, I can still remember to the coming out to Machine Head or in the, a sold out arena. I mean, it's some of the best memories of my career and I, I never would have thought I would play in the NHL. So um, to be here again, such good memories. It's great to see a lot of the same faces, a lot of new faces. The development in the city is outstanding. Um, so yeah, Columbus has always been very special. Meanless to say, um, I couldn't wait 
to get back here. I still laugh, like I said, I still can't believe we're here, but you know, every day I wake up and I'm excited to get to the rink. I'm excited to, to reach out to the guys and see if there's anything I can do to help out. And you know, I'm just really proud to be here. And, and what I love about that answer from you is that, you know, is and, and a lot of the fans have been hurt in the last couple of years about players that didn't want to be here and they have gone elsewhere. I think this is a group right here that wants to be here. And just to hear you talk about that, what an easy sell it is for you as now a guy that has gone through it as a player and is now in a different role to to talk to these, especially these young players, and let them know what this was about, what it was about when you first came through, what it was about when Mr. Mack was here, and what it is still about um, with the McConnell family owning this team and, and how important this city is. I Obviously, you're, you're a great salesperson for that, but... I mean, um, but it's it's all genuine. That's why I like it. 100%. You know, like I said, the city welcomed me, the, the, the McConnell family, the sponsors, the, the fans, the brass, everyone. I mean, they're just, they're just good people. I mean, there's not much more you can say. They're just good Midwestern people that will take you in, treat you like your own. Um, you know, that was one of the, the frustrating things when I was, before I had come here was, you know, hearing people say they don't want to be in Columbus, top players don't want to be in Columbus, that that literally irritated me, and I had nothing to do with the Blue Jackets organization. So, you know, for, for my position, I, I take pride in making sure that these guys have as good of a, a, a experience as I had, if not better. Um, you know, when I wore the jersey, it, it was very, I wore it with a lot of pride. So I want to make sure that when these guys come here, that one, they have great experience, two, they wear the jersey with pride, and and three, like, in 20 years' time, when they retire and go on to something else, hopefully they'll come back to Columbus because of the experience that they had. What was it like coaching in the East Coast Hockey League? And, and with, a, with a franchise that had some success, though, but um, that had to be a completely different experience from a lot of things that you went through as a player, I imagine. Yeah, it was a big adjustment, um, to be honest. Uh, I was really lucky. The coach there literally just gave me the ranks he was he said you're taking care of the d you'll manage the d you'll run the d from the bench you know you're in charge so that that kind of put the pressure on me and there's no better way to learn than in the east coast hockey league because you're managing as a coach you're managing travel uh calling especially with covid we were constantly you know calling people up sending people down making sure covid protocols were um taken care of it, it was just you're you're managing 30 different things on top of coaching so it was a great experience for me to to learn um you know the transition's always difficult i think for a player to to go behind the bench but it was and a lot of people have told me this is it's the closest thing you'll ever get to playing again it was you just naturally have that feeling you're you're part of the decisions that are you know creating the outcome of the game so um, you know, it was a great experience. It was a great learning experience. When I sat down and thought about coaching and, you know, constantly changing cities and, and going through that, it's just I, I have so much respect for the coaches that have, have done that, done it the hard way, you know, come from the East Coast, moved to transition to another city, went up to the HL. You have to be successful, transition to another city. It's, it's a long road to get to the NHL. Um, so, you know, I have so much respect for those coaches.
coaches, but when this opportunity came, I just, I couldn't pass it up. Like when we say starting, it might be a lower position in the organization, but to be at the NHL level, there's, there's, there's nothing better. And there's, there's nothing uh, better for me to watch guys like JD and Yarmo and, and Lars, all these guys work in their day to day. You just naturally just being around them, you pick so much up. And who knows where it leads, quite honestly, because it's not like you necessarily have to do this job forever. And I'm sure you talked to Rick about when he first came in after a player and and he learned a lot from Yarmo and, and just being around and just watching. And I'm sure even though you're taking care of the players and making sure that their families are comfortable and all of that, there's still plenty of other things that you learn every day, aren't there? Yeah, just naturally. Like I said, being basically a fly on the wall and my desk is literally in front of Yarmo and JD's, so I get to just see their day-to-day interaction. The, you know, they're constantly on the phone, meeting people, talking with people. There's so many things as a player that I had no idea behind the scenes. The amount of work that goes into the littlest—not the littlest things, but something like Kivy's family coming in for the opening night. There's probably a hundred people involved in that, planning everything from their travel from Latvia to here to COVID protocol, getting them on the ice um, to we had pins created and we have to have the NHL okay the colors of the pin and the, the, the logo on the ice. I mean, there's just so many things as a player. There's, you just thought, thought, you know, you showed up and everything was there. It was, it's easy, but it takes months of time to uh, prepare and get those things in motion. So. I, I, again, I, I've always respected all the workers in the office, but now that I'm on the other side, you just you respect them so much. The amount of work and time and effort that goes into things that a player you just naturally see, you take for granted. Maybe it's a face-off and that's all you really see, but there's hours and hours and hours of work that goes into just getting them there on the ice to drop a puck. You know, it's so funny you say that because I remember a couple of weeks ago I saw you on the event level of the arena and I, I kind of said to you, uh, oh, Aaron's got to turn in his empty tray. His salad is empty. He's got to turn his tray in. Again, this is this is no lie. This is exactly how it's going down right now here on the Blue Jackets charter flight between Arizona and Vegas. A couple weeks ago, I saw you, and, and you were doing a whole bunch of stuff, and I said, you didn't realize what a pain in the neck you were as a player. But now you get to deal with the players, and it's and I say that sarcastically, but what you just said is exactly right. As a player, everything's taken care of. You just show up and you do the job, and now you're learning how the job is actually done. So, And that's great. And and you probably wish, or I don't know if you do wish this, but as a player, had you would have known how everything was done, maybe you would have appreciated that a little bit more, right? Definitely, definitely. I mean, like I said, as a player, you literally you show up, you're told to go stand on the blue line, captain goes to center ice, the puck's dropped, and you go play hockey, which is you know, the hardest part of all of this. So I respect the hockey players and, and being in that situation as well, but you know, definitely it might be it might not be as physical um, but the amount of effort that it takes to, to get these things in motion it's just, you know, they work just as hard as the players. All right, I got two more things for you. Number one, as we talk right now, this team just pulled out another gutsy win in Arizona. It wasn't easy, but they found a way to get it done. Had to go to a shootout. I knew it was going to go more than three shooters. You could just tell that game was not going to end. It was never going to end. 
Maybe it's because Vegas is the next stop. I don't know. But anyway, um, but as a former player, how much do you appreciate what this young group is doing and how they're developing and how they're learning? Because you've been there before. You you know what it's like to to mesh with your teammates. You know what it's like to have no expectations from the outside, but a lot on the inside, and and to grow as friends and teammates. What do you see when you look at this group? A lot of excitement, um, a lot of speed, a lot of skill, a lot of youth. If I if I go back to when I was this age, I just remember being so excited to be in the NHL and doing what I was doing. And you can just see the enthusiasm in these players right now. They just they're proud to be a Blue Jacket. They're excited for the future. They're willing to do whatever it takes. You look at practices, you look at off ice, behind the scenes, these guys are working constantly, doing whatever is being asked from Coach Larson and even the trainers. So um, it's awesome that they're they're able to get this confidence right off the bat. Hopefully it continues. Um, but, but you just see so much energy. And even from, you know, guys like Jake, older guys, he's it's making them almost re-energized it just you can tell jake just wants to wants to help these guys pull these guys in the right direction show them the way and the guys are following him and then you know it's paying off so far last thing i want to ask you about is last week your friend rick nash your friend your boss rick nash we'll take it from the friend aspect here when you answer this okay it was announced he's going to have his number retired in march as somebody that spent so much time with him you know so much about him what does that mean to you it's i was talking to my wife the other day and i said if you just look back and remove him from the situation i feel like you get an understanding of how much he's done for you know the blue jackets organization he's brought a morris richard trophy gold medals all-star appearances you know, I, I even mentioned to her, like, even on his way out, he made sure that the team was in a good position to make sure that they gained assets out of his trade. He didn't, you know, he didn't do it the wrong way. He always did things the right way. And even on his way out, he was benefiting the Blue Jackets. He always made sure things were taken care of here. Um, there's no one more deserving. What he's done um, publicly and behind the scenes, I think even more behind the scenes, because... He's, he's naturally just a quiet guy. He doesn't like the spotlight. There's a lot of things that people don't see behind the scenes that he's done and the time he's given and, you know, whether it's money or time, he, he's just a naturally good person that enjoys taking care of people and he's proud to be a Blue Jacket. And that's, you know, one of the things he said when they announced it in the room and it was the most genuine I've ever seen him because you didn't... You, He's so he's so professional and always prepared that it was like the first time that we actually caught him off guard, and then you just saw how genuinely proud he was to be a Blue Jacket and how honored he was that his number sixty one is going to be in the rafters forever. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you and I have known each other for I don't know twenty some years. I can't believe it. Uh, but I, I I can't tell you how thrilled I was when I found out you were taking this job. To have you back in the organization, just like you were talking about with Rick. I think you are one of the nicest, kindest people I have ever met. I don't know how the heck you ever played hockey with that attitude. But, uh, no, you, genu you genuinely are, and it is great to have you back. 
It's great to have you back as a friend. It's great to have you back as a co-worker. And I appreciate you doing this on the plane. I may never do it again. may never, ever do it again. But even if I don't, we have this one time. So thanks. I'm honored. Thanks, Bob. That is former Blue Jackets defenseman Aaron Johnson. He's now back with his team, making sure that the players and their families are taken care of and that they want to stay in Columbus. The Blue Jackets are back in action tomorrow night, game two of their three-game road trip. They will take on the Vegas Golden Knights. Game time is 10 o'clock Eastern time. Our pregame coverage will begin at 9.30 on the Blue Jackets radio network, and that includes 97.1 The Fan, the flagship station in Columbus. So I would like to thank Aaron Johnson once again for being my guest today, and thank you as always for listening. This has been CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.